This week on the Recruitment Flex, chaos in airports, are the layoffs in 2020 the reason? Is Amazon running out of people to hire? Kraken CEO makes it really clear what he wants his culture to be. And why are we making it so hard for candidates to apply with their mobile? Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge, and as always, joined by Shelly Billinghurst. Shelly, how are you doing? Well, I think I'm on cloud nine. Are you <laughs> I really cloud nine? Am. I think Good. I'm on cloud nine. It just seems everything's going my way. I know. How do I explain it? Every single small thing in my life is going in a positive direction. Like, other than still am single. So not that's on the list. So just don't, I could tell by the look in your face. You're just like, I knew where you're going to go. No, I'm not announcing. I have a boyfriend. Oh, I <laughs> so was don't hoping. even go there. Yeah. Every week I'm waiting for the <laughs> announcement. No, that's not it. That's no. not it. Now what's happening with you? So my girls, all my girls. So my wife and my three daughters are leaving for Florida tomorrow with my parents-in-law. They're going to be staying there for three weeks. And then we are going to meet up again in New Brunswick. But on that note, very sad. I'm very disappointed with what's going on with the airports. There was a change in my flight, England back to Canada, that was going to basically take 32 hours to get back to the location of where I want to go. And That's not really an option. So Shelly is going to represent the recruitment flex at RecFest. I am so happy that you decided to go without me, even though I'm sad. I'm going to have serious FOMO, but I I think it's the right thing. I know, Serge. And I know we talked about this. So just to share with the audience, I know I had originally thought if Serge isn't going, then I don't want to go. Like this is the recruitment flex. And then I thought, oh, hold on a minute. (laughs) Hold on a minute. As much as I was very sad, I do understand. And things happen outside your control. This is what we're seeing everywhere in terms of travel. Like even Chandler was supposed to go to Vancouver tomorrow. And then they changed his flight to a time that he couldn't go. They'll give him a credit. But now rather than it costing I think $120, it's costing them 500 Part of me is, I don't want to be suspicious, but wow, he had a confirmed flight, just Calgary to Vancouver. Right? Yeah. And he That's went with Flair Airlines flight. and I'm like, oh. Okay. And then they said, okay, your Friday flight is canceled, but we can put you on a Thursday afternoon flight. He can't. So they gave him a credit for the flight, but the only way for him to get there now cost 500 bucks. So imagine that's a five X in revenue. Yeah. Um, Is somebody going to step in and flag this? Cause you had the same experience, right? Like you could get back on a one-way ticket was going to cost you three times the original amount, right? Three times. I could have gotten the same flight just like four days after. And then I would have missed basically the whole time that my, because my family's flying from Florida back to Moncton, New Brunswick, where I'm from. And this is the first time that my parents are going to see the twins since they were three months old. I get it. I do. I do. So let's talk a little more about what is happening in the airline industry. 
because as talent acquisition, I think we already knew this all comes down to talent acquisition and staffing shortages. Yeah. I really believe it does. And so there were some, I think some airports modernized over the years to automate probably the least desirable job of working in the airline industry is baggage handling and the ability for planes to land. Okay. We got big skies out there, but who's going to unload the plane? Yeah. Isn't that's according to what's being reported. No surprise. There was lots of pent up demand. Many people didn't know if this summer was going to be another black summer. We didn't know. And so when it became clear that it's safe to travel, people were just like, I'll take a ticket. But unfortunately, that's one thing to be oversold. And another thing to figure out once you land, if there's not enough staff to check people in or out or unload baggage, that's a bit of a bottleneck. Yeah, the horror stories that we're seeing across the world. One airport that has been on the news quite a bit has been the Toronto Pearson Airport with just these insane lines for international, even national. And a lot of people were thinking here in Canada, was it the travel mandates as far as vaccination cards? But that's been removed now for a week that you can fly anywhere in Canada without being vaccinated. So that is not the delay. It's very clear that they just don't have enough staff where are these workers? Where have they gone? And this is where corporations really took the wrong approach when the pandemic hit because they got a lot of money. They got billions of dollars in government aid so they can be set up and be ready when the skies open up again, that they would be able to handle the capacity that is going to be needed. Did they do that? No. The first thing they did is they laid off a great portion of their staff and that staff has not come back, which is what is mm. causing our challenges mm. right now. On top of it, they did a lot of early retirement for pilots. So this is all cascaded into the travel nightmare yeah. that we've seen right now because staff shortages, a lot of people want to travel, no plan by the airlines. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one that's going to be disrupted when it comes to flights this summer. But Shelly, how do you fix this? How do you fix it? I think I am going to... Uh, give a credit here to Chad Sowash and something he said probably a year ago. He said right from the beginning, nobody wants your shitty job for the shitty rate of pay. So not commenting on the mask mandate being lifted because in Canada, you still have to wear a mask on the plane, which just such common sense. But when it comes to baggage handlers and those people servicing, like all those behind the scenes, including security check-in, because they actually, they didn't strike but they are protesting right across Canada. And their number one concern is we're overworked and underpaid. Yeah, And I think that message is straight through those jobs that are low skill or no skill and behind the scenes in the airline industry. That's what's choking them. Not, And I know everybody's up in arms about recertification for pilots, but I'm trying to do the math here because I think you said Gatwick capacity for daily flights was 400 and they were receiving 800. Yeah. I don't think there's a the pilot shortage is quite the issue. I think the issue is your behind the scenes back of house staff have finally said I'm not going to do that job for that pay rate. It's Well, really from my experience, simple. knowing a lot of people that have worked in the airline industry, these are some of the most loyal employees that you'll ever see. You get a job at Air Canada, 
you stay at Air Canada for 20 years. It was the same with WestJet here, and I'm sure there is similar stories of airlines in the U.S., but here in Canada, employees have generally been very loyal. So the minute that times get a little bit harder, even though they get a billions of dollars to be able to set them up, they still lay off their staff. And think about it. You're doing this work. You're now laid off. You're not like as a flight attendant, you're not flying in all these different cities. I'm sure it gets really tiring to do that role because you're away from your family so much. So all of these elements being like, there is more jobs out there that I can do and be home every day and have a consistent schedule. And it's the same for the baggage handlers. They can go work a nine to five job now that in the past, maybe it was more challenging. So people have realized that, well, a company's not as loyal to me as I thought they would be. I now have options. I'm not going back. But say, Shelly, I'm going to give you a scenario. You're hired as the head of talent acquisition at WestJet. Where do you start? How would you approach this? Wages. Wages, right Which there? Which not, typically doesn't fall under the responsibility of talent acquisition. We are not price. We inform the price, but we don't set it ever. You can advertise and throw as much money as you want at the problem, whether it's your advertising, your perks, your training programs, none of that will be solved unless you are paying a good wage for the work. It's really that simple. Mm. Whether So talent acquisition is obviously, as we've said many times, the ultimate shit sandwich right? The business is like looking at us, like we should magically make these people appear. Yet we've got the other side of the house saying we can't increase wages because then our margins are down. So you're in an impossible situation because increasing wages will solve the problem. Running an airline is nothing I would ever want to do. It seems like the hardest business ever to Mm -hmm. run, but I agree right now, you're going to have to buy yourself in. You're going to have to pay really well. And I think what they're trying not to do that. So it sets the standards moving forward and increases their overall costs to run the business. But I think you're right. I think that is the underlying issue right now. An absolutely fantastic segue onto our next topic. And if we carry on with me still wearing head of talent acquisition for Amazon, let's just take a look at this scenario because there was a leaked report this week that talked about some research being done in terms of the company's long-term labor problems. And it has been published that they will actually deplete the labor supply. So what is so what does that really mean depleting the labor supply so if you think about in los angeles where one of their major hubs are depleting the labor supply means everyone who is possibly available to work is working and there are no more people like if your operations continue to expand you really have choices around automation or Basically, you'll have to move your operations. And so Los Angeles, the LA area, is the largest port. And so it's an essential piece. Gosh, they really have run out of people. They will run out of people. I thought this was a fascinating case study on what potentially a lot of employers are going to go through in the future as the labor markets and certain skill sets are going away. They're retiring or they're just not in the labor force anymore. But what do you expect? This is not surprising, especially the type of roles. We're talking about warehouse, sorting, packaging. It's almost slave labor, having people 
stand for that amount of time with no breaks, with constant monitoring. As an employee, you really feel that you are a robot. And Amazon is very well known to be a really bad working experience, but also they hire to an amount that is really hard to sustain. Even if they were the best employer, the amount of people they hired, they hired twice as many of any of the large retailers in the busy season. And their turnover is almost, mm-hmm. not almost, it is 100% it's, in most of it's these twice. locations. Is it twice? Yes, it is double what most employers in retail would experience. And so we know retail turnover. So if you think of this, and I would have to do a little more digging, but I've heard it said that some big box retailers have turnover of 150%. So they're double what a retailer. So if there was ever going to be a study of the cost to a business, we're about to see it unfold right in front of our eyes. Because if you have that high, say their turnover is 300% and you've now exhausted the labor force because everyone who possibly had arms and legs and could actually come to work has worked for you and left already. And they're never going to work for you again. They might if you pay them enough. So I think what the pandemic also showed us is that people will not put up with it. I think this is really good news. I think we're going to see companies, retailers, and Amazon being part of that group are going to look at a model similar to what Costco is very well known to pay really well for retail. You generally double what the rate is. You can make a living wage and feed a a family, do everything, a really good wage working as a retail worker within Costco. And Costco is interesting because their profits are as good as any of these companies, their growth, their brand presence, everything is extremely strong. And they're doing this with almost no turnover compared to the industry. So I'm hoping Amazon now realizes, look, we have to look at a different model. We have to look at, obviously, they're going to automate as much as possible. And I don't think that's a bad thing. The people they do hire... I'm hoping they realize that they're going to have to compete with a completely different sector or segment of the population that they did in the past by paying more. Paying people $17 an hour for backbreaking work, it will burn out. You can't rely on hiring a workforce that on average is going to stay there three months. Think about being a recruiter for Amazon warehouse and generally what they I don't do. think they use recruiters. No, I you're- no, completely automated and you don't even talk to a human. I think a great comparison is to look at a company like yes or FedEx. And they, although they were always nervous that Amazon was going to steal market share, which they did. Yeah. But in the end, who will win is those that retain good people and treat people well. Because FedEx is quite well known for treating It's hard work, yes. And your package sorters and handlers, most of it, although it's automated, they tend to have long-term staff. They do. And the other thing, actually, now it hit me while we're talking about, because here in Calgary, there's Amazon warehouses and and there's Walmart distribution centers. And Mm -hmm. when I was in staffing, we did a big portion of the Walmart distribution centers. It was all contingency firms that they relied on their staffing. And it wasn't uncommon to be like, we need 40 people tomorrow. And they would drill you down. The margins were almost nothing. It was interesting to see how they really treated people as just a commodity as far as let's get people 
And when they quit, let's just hire 20 more, 20 more. But eventually you are going to run out of people. And I never thought we would see the day. They are there. This report said that even they knew in 2021 that in some of their key distribution centers, locations like Arizona and LA, they knew they would run out because their turnover, you've exhausted the labor market. So your business can't grow, period. Yes. You stop. You cannot expand. It'll bring a company even as, and something you've always said, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And when they fall, they're going to take a lot of people down with them. They will. Sell your Amazon stock now. Talking about that, I do want to talk about a leadership issue that, or maybe not, depending on how you look at it. Shelly, do you- your take. Do you invest in cryptocurrency? No, No, it's not your thing. It's not something. It's not. Is it yours? No, it's. Yeah. Okay. I'm very well aware of it. I've always been interested about the culture of cryptocurrency and all these different companies that have popped up and Mm. suddenly become billionaires within years. And it seems like a, a giant pyramid scheme, but I might be wrong. It is based off blockchain, which I'm a big believer But crypto and the whole culture around it has been fascinating to me. And I was reading an article and it made quite quite the rounds, actually. I saw it first on Twitter where the CEO of Kraken, his name is Jesse Powell, had a Twitter thread of basically saying, your woke policies are not going to work with me. He says that... Silicon's Valley version of DEI pronoun, whether someone can identify as a different race and be allowed to use the N word. Uh, he's clearly defining what his culture is. He's the guy that had conversations about women not being as smart as men. Oh my God. So he's very clear. He was very clear of what the culture he wants, which in some ways I'm should like, repel right? those who wouldn't want to be part of that. It should repel. Yeah. What was your take reading reading this pretty long Twitter thread? So I had to read this twice to really get my head around. Do I have an opinion on this? I thought it's a Joe Rogan move. You don't have to listen to Joe Rogan. If you're offended by how he approaches things, then don't listen. Yeah. And I really believe we have choices. If you don't want to work in the cryptocurrency industry, it's not like he's the only game in town. On one hand, I appreciate the fact he's being authentic, even though it's unpleasant and unpopular at this time, but he is being authentic to say, if you're easily offended by these things, then we're probably not the place to come and work. Should companies come out and say exactly where they stand. So when employees come in, they know they're not like, they're not surprised by it. When their CEO or an executive comes out and says something that goes against your values or morals, should companies be very clear of where they stand? I'm scared. To, I'm scared to take a, an opinion on this, honestly. Because it's not popular to say this, but yet wouldn't it just be a better employment market if companies were honest about who they are? Like if you're going to go, yeah. So what's really clear is if you are manufacturing guns, okay, (laughs) there's a clear side, which side you're on. If you are a tobacco manufacturer, there's a clear side to be on. And whether it's crypto or whether it's manufacturing of high fat 
content snacks. You can choose which side to be on. I know that what he is saying was very headline grabbing, but on the other hand, you know, at least he's being authentic, right? Because if you've got this illusion of what crypto, what it is to be in the, they call themselves a Bitcoin exchange, but what does that mean? Who would want to work in that industry? Unless you believe you're going to change the world, you're going to change the banking industry around the world. I don't know. It doesn't inspire me, but that's a good thing because yeah, I would never want to work there. And I'm not woke me. I've got a potty mouth. I say exactly, just be myself. And I say things the way they are. And I'm lucky that I have an opinion and I do want to state what I think, but I wouldn't want to work there. There's there's nothing about crypto that I find at all attractive. In fact, I think the best quote ever was the one by Bill Gates, who said, it really is based on what's called the greater fool therapy theory, right? Yeah. So you can sell something to someone, but you're trying to find who's the bigger fool. That's a polite way of saying it, but like, how stupid do you have to be? Because what is the value of this? It has no value. And you're trying to create some sort of value of it. And I know people will argue to the death on this. So those that are in favor of changing the whole monetary system around the world, well, good luck. When we saw the the dot-com crash, it's, it really tinned out what was real and what wasn't. And I think we're seeing that right now when it comes to cryptocurrency. Also, we're seeing that with NFTs, where there's going to be an element of cryptocurrency as we move forward. It's going to be there. Same with NFTs and how we leverage blockchain. But a lot of it is just garbage. A lot of it is just people trying to make a buck really quickly and the market will correct itself. And I think that's what's happening right now. For this gentleman going out and being very clear of where he stands, it's actually really good for the talent acquisition side because it gives you an idea of who you should target, what your message should be. Like These are all the things that a lot of talent acquisition or employment brand people want. They want a clear, authentic message. So I don't agree with him with pretty much everything he said, but I'm glad he was clear. And it's really up to the candidates or the people that work there, see if it's a place that's right for them in the long term. So we'll see. My money is they're out of business in two years. We'll we'll revisit this in two years. (laughs) He's really thrown down the challenge. Like, just try and cancel me is almost what he's saying. Just try it. Like, I'm going to come out and say the most controversial thing I can and just try and cancel me. See what happens. Because he's saying that 99% of the world is not is not part of this woke community that is going to be politically correct. A better news story, our friends at AppCast came out with, I guess this is the spring, yeah, it's spring update. update of the recruitment update. marketing benchmark report that we talked extensively. There was a couple of key updates from our last discussion where we talked a lot about is the overall cost of advertising your jobs and how it had gone up dramatically and how fewer clicks that you were getting year over year. They looked at the first quarter or the first four or five months of the year to see if the trend they were seeing in 2021 is happening in 2022. Cost per applicant is actually trending down. So last time we talked, cost per applicants were around $29 and it's around $26. So it's definitely trending down. Now your benchmark, if you're in talent acquisition, you're looking, how much should I be paying for an applicant? What's a good rate? 
So $26.73 is what we're seeing in May 2022. Any surprises there? So I guess it made sense to me because the next slide on the AppCast recruitment marketing benchmark report was that apply rates have stayed flat, right? What it said to me is you can throw as much money as you want at your advertising, because you're right, the cost per applicant shot up even over $30 at one point, and now down to 26. Because if your cost of acquisition, your cost per applicant has jumped up that high, and you realize that you're not getting, your apply rates just haven't gone up to match, you need to start doing something different. Let's talk about apply rates. Mm -hmm. So apply rates have stayed really steady at 3.95%. Right. It's still shocking, Shelly. So that means that 96% of people that are clicking on your jobs are not actually finishing. Submitting an application. Oh my God. This is really important. Listen up everybody in talent acquisition, because that means something is really fucking broken. We're seeing around 70% of people look for jobs on a mobile phone and the majority of people want to apply for jobs on their mobile. There are very few of an easy way to apply for a job on your mobile. So how can employers get the information they need from a mobile process that is simple, fast, and a good experience? Because if they're not, they're losing a ton of candidates, right? I think that's part of it. Yes. And I'm thinking even one step beyond this because we've been beating that drum and for some reason they're just not listening because the belief that you can continue to throw money at advertising your jobs and consistently 3.95% average apply rate. In some states, I know in this AppCast report, in some states it's as low as 3.3% apply rate. So there needs to be I believe a huge shift in the market. Candidates are speaking loudly with whether it's their phone or they just will not endure your applicant tracking system because that's the first thing I thought of is if there's ever been a time to get rid of your clunky, cumbersome applicant tracking system, it's now. And the whole register to apply, which is essentially what you're saying as well. Like trying to apply on your phone, you can't like, squeeze and and expand just to figure out what the questions are on their eight page apply form. Right. Yeah. And so the, the reality is innovation will come out of this. We're going to keep a very close eye on what AppCast has to say, but on that note, Shelly, this was another fun week. Still sad that I'm not going to breakfast, but I'm very excited that you are, because you got to rep, you're the better looking, you're the, you're the, you're the face. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You better represent really. No, I'm not. Listen, it is the recruitment flex with Serge and Shelly. And so do trust, I will represent, I will represent well, and I promise not to get drunk, fall down and knock out my two friends. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> I want stories. <laughs> I will. All right, will. audience. Thank Shelly, you so have much, a great Serge. week. Okay. We'll talk soon. Bye. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about.
and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.